You're listening to the Influential Conversations podcast with Industry Influencer of the Year, Kirk Stafford and guests. Proudly brought to you by Tappy, helping property managers deliver a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and save 40% of their time processing maintenance requests. Box Brownie, the innovators in property photography. Have a look at their new product, Snap, Snap, Snap. This is the brand new phone app designed specifically for real estate agents, which allows you to shoot professional quality photographs straight from your phones. Inspection Express. They're the market leader in property inspection reporting and digital signature property documentation, giving you a seamless approach to the way that you manage properties, as well as Agent Dynamics, the market-leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow, and retain your property teams since 2014. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stafford. Hello again, and thank you for joining us in another uh, in the series of Influential Conversations. This time, we're talking to the fabulous Sophie Kennedy-Rush from Buxton in Geelong. Um, Sophie is the uh, the business development manager for a six office network uh, with just under three thousand properties under management and a total staff of somewhere around about forty five or fifty properties. Uh, she's been a long term resident in Geelong and uh, and, and that entire sort of uh, western uh, Bayside area. Um, been in the industry since two thousand and five. Almost makes you a veteran, Soph. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and for some reason still loves the business. We can just still to, to work out why. In fact, we're probably going to find out very shortly. So I'm going to throw it over to you now. Tell us about you. How did you, what brought you into property management? Desperation to get a job, really. <laughs> I was young and inexperienced and applied for lots of different positions when I moved to Geelong. And I guess it is... How it is now is what it was then. It was difficult to get a job when you were inexperienced and young. I met with a real estate agent down in Aries Inlet. Um, they were just looking for a receptionist and I always interviewed well, but no, I never managed to get through the door enough because um, I was so young. But met with them and got along with them really well and they gave me an opportunity to work with them and I was there for Many years, started on reception, um, moved into holiday property management and a portfolio there. Um, I got offered a position doing residential property management um, and ended up leaving that company and I'm still very close with them. I've still got a great relationship with them Um, and got thrown in the deep end managing a portfolio in uh, Torquay. And back then they weren't all pretty beautiful beach houses in Torquay. They were run-down beach shacks that... (laughs) had more mould than you can poke a stick at, more VCAT, oh, VCAT hearings than I'd care to mention. Yeah. Um, so it was really challenging, first first little while in the industry. Um, they then sold they that. Up, sorry, I wonder how they go getting up to minimum standards, the rental minimum standards now down there. Oh, they're all bulldozed now. They're all beautiful, <laughs> sure you know, million-dollar properties. <laughs> then they were, yeah, they were... I think I got a little bit of PTSD about it, but that's all right. <laughs> that's what makes you stronger. But, yeah, that, that office then sold off to another local agent, which um, I guess my goals didn't align with. So I ended up then filtering into Geelong and I've been working in uh, the property management industry in Geelong ever since. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. What, 
What have you seen? I mean, obviously, with that that sort of experience, I mean, that's um, dare I say it, that's eighteen years, Sophie. Um, that's 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 extensive. When you, when you consider that the yes. average life of a property manager is probably around about two or maybe three years, and once you get past yeah. that, like, you've seen at conferences. I've certainly noticed that at conferences. When, when, when we're all standing up, they say, well, you know, sit down if you've been in the industry less than, you know, two years, three years, five years, two-thirds of the room sat down. Yeah, they do. That's, that's they a do. really good indicator as to the, the, the longevity in the role. Uh, and, that look, that comes with, I don't think, any industry where you're employing predominantly younger people, which we are, yes. uh, you do have that changeover. Yep. But this is a job that's got... Yeah, considerable stresses on it, and that that tends to create its own challenges. What have you found have been some of the the main challenges for you as you're a property manager, and then moving through into into business development? My biggest challenge in the industry altogether was understanding my strengths and weaknesses within the role. Um, I know that I'm a pretty good property manager, but I don't love it. I know that when I was, so I, I used to manage a department and do business development and manage a portfolio, so I was wearing three hats all at once. I found out the hard way I'm really bad at managing people. I was in a role that literally near killed me with no support around me and I just I just figured, you know, I'm, I'm a leader for these people, then I'm, you know, I command respect and this is what I'm doing and I... You know, they, they have to let me manage them and they have to listen to me. And I was very young when I had that hat, hat on. And it took me a, a really long time to realise that that's not actually where my strength was. I might like the idea of the title of department manager, but I don't like the role. And I found I was really exceeding in the business development side of things and that's where I, I got my joy from. I hated coming into the office and having to tell someone that they haven't met their KPIs, but I loved coming into the office being like, we just got another listing. <laughs> so I, I, that was the biggest challenge I've ever gone through, probably in my, my life, let alone my professional life, one of. But getting to that realisation and now being older and creating a, a business development team and being able to manage around a role that I really love shows mm-hmm. that I've got strength there with maturity and it's it's very it's vastly different. I mean we're talking you know almost 10 years between you know managing a, a rental department to running and creating a business development team to mm-hmm. whole different kettles of fish. You know, I never I never loved being a property manager. I mean I didn't mind it and I never loved it. I never loved it the way that I love mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing now. So it was about finding where my strengths were and, and really driving to make that a career and make that a choice that I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And I think also, even though there's been that, that, that time, the different roles, and there, there are different styles of people that are attracted to BDM as, as, as occurred, uh, there is to, to property management, and you've got to have a different strategy for managing that. Uh, but I think our, our understanding of management and leadership's changed a lot over that time too, hasn't it? Definitely, definitely. I think, um, well, I don't know if it's because staff has got wiser <laughs> and, you know, we we fight for ourselves a little bit more now. But, you know, I, I've seen that many people go through 
you know, a property management role and then they filtered through to a leadership role probably because somebody's left or they needed that and or they thought they were ready for that and they get pushed into it by, you know, directors that maybe aren't as focused on staff wellbeing and they just become a catalyst for this is the message I want to deliver, I don't care how you deliver it, just do it. Mm. Um, And that can be really detrimental to the office, but that person as well. If they're they're being dictated to manage in a certain way and that doesn't align with their moral compass, then it just destroys them. And it's not effective management at all. Whereas I think there's more of an emphasis now around you know, giving that person a bit more of a voice and a bit more creativity around managing managing their teams and creating yep. these roles and these environments that people actually want to be part of. And I think those directors that point the finger and say, you do it this way, you tell them that's not a good enough job, they're getting a little bit of bite back now because we don't want to do that. We don't want to manage that way. We understand what they go through on a day-to-day basis if they're managing property or leasing or this and that. And I think because directors predominantly are sales-based, they listen to us a little bit more now because proof's in the pudding. How much staff turnover have we had, you know, yep. over the years because there's not enough emphasis around what, you know, property managers do on a day-to-day basis. Now we've got a little bit more of a voice, I think. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, and I go back to when I started as a property manager years ago. Uh, my director tried to, to to run it himself for three months and then handed it over to me because he just couldn't do it. And look, I've got some background as well. But the, the, there's a growing understanding now of what a property manager's role is. Yep. It's not complete from a lot of the directors. As you said, you know, they're sales-based, they're sales-focused, and that's that's obviously where their strengths are. Yep. But they do need to bring people in who have uh, got the understanding of what property managers do and can communicate with them at that level rather than, as you said, pointing the finger and saying, yep. no way, when, you know, that might work for salespeople. Yeah. It's not necessarily a good thing to, to try with property managers because you, you need to understand the personality types and understand yes. who they are and, and what their drivers are. Yep, most definitely. And I think... I honestly, I know a lot of people hate all the legislation changes that are coming in. I don't hate it, but it's been pretty overwhelming and it's been a big shift. I think now that there's so much more responsibility about maintaining a good portfolio because there's lots of repercussions if we don't, has helped some directors realise that we can't take on any property, we can't take on any client, we can't just band-aid fix everything. We really need to be precise in what we're doing as property managers and you need good property managers to want to do that rather than sweep everything under the rug, that there's more of an emphasis around holding on to really good staff and listening to them more and giving them what they need to effectively manage their portfolio and be happy in the workplace. So I, I, I actually think that that's brought, you know, a little bit more, it's shed a little bit more light on the fact that, it's, we're not just sitting here taking rent and trying to keep everybody at bay. There's actually a lot involved in what we do as property managers, and that's their business. That's their lifeline. They don't they don't have a sellable business unless they've got a portfolio. That's right. And if that and portfolio, the is, yeah, and the compliance aspects now are huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What have you seen have been the the more successful strategies uh, within the within your organisation? 
for, for helping the property managers cope with that, with helping them cope with the the, the, the new stresses that are on them, not, not just the old stresses, but the, this is yeah. a whole different layer of complexity. What's being instituted, say, at, at, within, within your organisation to help them adjust to it and cope with it? The one thing I love about this group, because we've got six officers, we've got six department heads, so once a month, we sit down with a director from one of the offices. There's the six department heads and myself. And as a team, we work out as a group what we're going to do. So there's consistency across the group. If one office has figured out a way to do something effectively to, you know, take onus off a property manager or make it easier for a property manager to manage a certain aspect of compliance, then the rest of the group takes that on. Mm-hmm. And it's so lovely because some of the offices are quite small and some of them are huge, but they're all in it together. And it's really an open board discussion. And that's hard to have when you've got pretty strong personalities that manage their own office, but they do it really well. And I think having a different director in those meetings once a month gives another, I guess, avenue of conversation for everybody because you've got one director that might be like, all right, that's the decision, we're making the decision now, it's on pen and paper, that's done. We've got another another director that might be like, okay, well, let's trial this for a month and come back, reconvene and see if it works. And, and we need that sort of pull the trigger director in one, in, in you know, in some circumstances and we need the trial and error director in another circumstance. So they're all heavily involved and it's really, it's a living, breathing discussion every month that everybody's on board about. And yeah. that's, that's really strong. And for me to sell that business to potential clients, that's huge. You know, there's not just one person saying this is how we do it and that's it. It's actually collectively we're getting, you know, six, seven, eight, nine heads together once a month to go, this is, prob- this is maybe the best way to move forward for the whole group. We give it a go. We tweak it. Next month we're doing something different. So, it's, it's yeah, it's always evolving and it's, it's a huge strength for Buxton, I think. Yeah, it certainly sounds like because you've got so many different points of view coming in and, and contributing on a on a collective basis. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And each what office is different. Some offices yeah. have a link. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what are they doing for the for the for the PMs themselves, the, the staff there? Have they got what's the support that they get there from the director? Well, I know, I know they meet every week with a director. I know when I was, you know, doing that sort of thing, we never got that. I'd be lucky to get five minutes with them once a month. So they actually sit down and talk with them every, every week to chat about results and where they're finding pressures and changing bits and pieces, bringing in new technology. So they're, they're involved in the, with the PMs every month. They're, they've got a lot of emphasis around... I guess the social aspect of work as well, making sure that, you know, we get our respite, we get to go for lunch, we get to do this, we get to have the discussions, we get to go to training. So they'll they'll give us the, the freedom and the flexibility to do that. I mean, I don't sit with the property managers for each office, so it's it's a little harder, I guess, for me to know exactly how on a day-to-day basis they're being yeah. supported and, and coached through, you know, difficult weeks. But the one thing I'll say is our longevity of our staff here is huge. Like we've got people that have been here seven, eight, nine, ten years or more, and we've got 
greenies that are coming in with no experience that have been here for a couple of years or they're they're genuinely excited when they walk through the, the door every day and you just don't see that much anymore. Yeah, and you so can, they're doing you something play. right. <laughs> and you can, when you've got people like that, and as you said, you know, that longevity, once you get past a couple of years with someone within an office, that speaks a lot to the internal culture and you can harness that and you use yeah. that really well for for the new people coming in, whether it's new into the industry or new into the company, because you've then got a buddy and a mentor there that you can you know, yeah. you know, give them that assistance, just guide them along the process. Now, you were talking a minute ago <coughs> that you're starting to create a team of business development managers yourself. Did I understand that correctly? Yes. How many have you, yep. you got in the team at the moment? So it's just myself and my colleague, Alicia, um, so she came on to assist me in July of last year um, mm. with the goal of building a team for the group. So that's the whole idea. So um, they got me on board because the role had never existed before. Um, we've had great results. So the idea is to just keep developing that because, you know, if there's one person achieving X, Y, Z, you've got three people achieving X, Y, Z, and that's better off for the business. But, they, I mean, the support that I've had across the group, I, I can't even put it into words. I, I guess my role, because it was completely different when I first started, there was a few people that were a little unsure about how it would all go, and I worked my absolute ass off. <laughs> but I proved that, you know, someone with the right drive can really take something from nothing to something else. And the minute those results started showing and they could see consistency of personality and attitude and drive and results. Like it's not uncommon for the directors to have a director's meeting and they'll just come up and pat me on the back and walk off and not say a word. And, I mean, that's that's lovely for me. I love that sort of thing, you know, yeah. and it's been such a big group as well. I mean, across with all the sales and everything, we're, what, 70, 80 people. So... Having that diversity of staff and getting along with sales agents from North Geelong to Heighton to East Geelong, all that sort of stuff is so nice for me. And it's everyone is a positive relationship. I do not have a single negative relationship within a group of 80 odd people. That's good. Yeah. Out, out of, I, out in of, an office of six people, I, you know, when I manage them, <laughs> most of them were negative. Sorry, say that again. No, it's just maybe I'm just lost in the crowd now, so it's a good thing. I just keep under the radar. Yeah, or is that everyone's seeing the, the great work that you're doing? And I think because now we, we, we take a different view. We've had three really tough years. Um, yeah. And I think we now take the view, we take it differently that, you know, we are a collective, uh, particularly... In, in the property management, business development management space, we are a collective and we can, you know, trade ideas and, and start to, to work around with with people. But when you're in a company that's a, that, that's the size of what you're talking about, I, I, I have a feeling that, that you're not hidden there, Sophie. I think yeah. I think. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. It's just, yeah, I, again, it's nice when you've got, because what, we'd have 15 directors across the group. Mm. And I could sit down and talk with any one of them. And yeah. sometimes I'll pick up the phone if I'm having a challenging week because of, you know, I'm not meeting the fees that I expect to be able to get or, you know, I've had a client that 
is just hell-bent looking at that that management fee and not looking at the bigger picture. And, you know, I'll call the director and I'll be like, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to achieve these results and I'm, I'm just not getting any. Have, have you got any advice for me? And low-key, they, they generally give me advice I've already done, but, you know, that's fine. <laughs> at least I'm I'm happy to give, give them a call and say I'm struggling. Help me. You know, give me your point of view. How would you tackle it? And... I don't feel like they're going to judge me in any way or think that I'm incompetent because I'm asking someone else for assistance. I'm asking someone for a, a point of view and just to brainstorm it or vent even. I could call any single director and have a little vent and they'd be totally open to that. Yeah, but that's so also just, the hallmark. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. But that's also the hallmark of, of a mature organisation but also having mature people around it, including yourself. Correct. You can pick up the phone and you do ask for help because the one of the, the worst things we can do, just stay stuck. And if you've got yeah. other people you can you can pull ideas from and, and get you know some sort of feedback, well that makes yeah. everybody's job a lot easier. Yeah. Because most definitely you're being encouraged to get more yeah. information. Yeah. And that was one of the things I learned going through that horrible lesson. You know, when I made a mistake, I didn't want to own it. Or if I was struggling, I didn't want to own it. And I'm the first person to put my hand up if I make a mistake for mm -hmm. anything because I'd rather be honest and open about that mistake and try and fix it than sweep it under the rug and then it bite me on the ass later on. And I've made mistakes here. I've advertised properties with items that haven't been in it and I've had to work around that. You know, obviously, if it's not my mistake, I'm not going to throw a team, mem team member under the bus either. I'll just try and fix the problem as best I can. And it's about that community network that I think that we've got here. Because we're such a big office, we are sort of like a community, you know, and that's that's really nice. And we do, you know, more often than not, we're surrounding ourselves with people that are quite happy to do the same thing. Like if they make a mistake, they'll own it. Um, and we teach that too. Like if you've made a mistake, that's fine. We all do. We're all human. So let's just figure out how we fix that mistake. Um, yeah. You know, it's none of this, you did wrong, you know, you call them and tell them that you've made that mistake. Like never, never, ever is that, yeah. that a good conversation that's had. No, but it's about having that acceptance of personal responsibility too, isn't it? That, that, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we all go through flat patches. When things have got mm -hmm. really tough, you you were saying before you've got the directors there to, to call back on for a bit of advice if you're, as you said, you're not hitting your fee structure marks or whatever. But yeah. when things are really flat for you and you, you, you feel a bit challenged, outside of that, what are your strategies for, for, for getting some inspiration, finding some influence somewhere to, to, to lift you up again? Sleep. Sleep and wine. Look, my parents are really great. I've got a really close relationship with my parents. So even though they don't fully understand my role and what I do, they're a really good backing board and a soundboard for me. They give me the honest truths sometimes when I don't need it, which is generally when I really need it. My partner's really supportive as well. He's, you know, very familiar with the industry. He's a driven investor. So, you know, he's just, and he's he's Switzerland. So it doesn't matter, you know, what sort of argument I'm having or what sort of conversation I'm having. He can always see it from a platonic point of view. My biggest saviour, I think, is Alicia, who's my, you know, my colleague that I mentioned before. We're great friends and people always say don't work with your best friends. 
but it, we have such a great personality in the office together and because we work side by side together we can bounce anything off one another and generally that means that we're catching up with our kids and you know they're having a play in the backyard and we're just sitting there eating cheese and not even talking about work that's enough support but yeah like I, I don't I guess I don't really go outside of the norm in terms of just trying to find me time I think it's just that balance I don't go I, I avoid social media I don't generally do podcasts or or watch the news or do anything like that I just quiet time you know I'm a mum so quiet time for me is really important and me time just helps me center myself a little bit I find I jump to podcasts and you know our communities online and things like that when I'm feeling really passionate about work because I like to be surrounded by it but if I'm struggling sometimes I just need to give myself a little break from work and recenter and then yeah, move forward. Yeah, but you've, that. you've got that really good, close personal support network around you, which I think is vital, um, particularly yeah. in this industry, because we can get. You know, if you look at social media all the time, we we can that that that'll impact us. It's like like watching the news all the time. We were all doom scrolling during the pandemic. <clears throat> if you get too caught up in that, it can be self perpetuating. So it's a matter of being able to step yeah. back. It sounds like you've mastered that with, as you said, your parents, your partner, with Alicia there. And yeah. just have that really good uh, nuclear tribe around you who you, know, you can just sit with and, and just, as you said, yeah. with Alicia, you, you're sitting there eating cheese and probably drinking wine and, and talking about anything but work. But yep. that's a exactly. Of that's Yeah, a exactly. And that, and that comes from age too, I think, that, you know, it's, it's just about finding that balance. And I think ever since I became a mum, you know, because it's me and Maddie, so, you know, there's a lot going on. There's, it's full-time work. It's full-time caring. So having that, just that quiet time, that me time, is something that I never used to do. I used to be on my emails till 10 o'clock at night. I used to pick up my phone at 7 in the morning. I used to answer my calls on Sunday. And ever since having Maddie and this role I challenged myself to make sure I had that balance and once I found that balance I get just as much done mm-hmm. but I am so much more sane <laughs> and yeah, it's well, really right. nice yeah. because you're not yeah as you said you're not a slave to it where yeah you know, basically from the time you open your eyes to the time you close them at night you're you're in yep. work mode because that's that that's that's unhealthy um and, and I don't think many of us get that way and I'm pretty much the same as you i you know, it'll get to a certain point in the uh, in the afternoon or the the very early evening, and you know that little black box will you know flash up a message from someone. I'll go tomorrow. Yep. And you've got yep. to make yourself like. And I think that's what we mentioned earlier, just without dragging on too much. But that's the difference in management styles now too. When I was on my phone till and on my emails till ten o'clock at night, and I was in the office at seven o'clock in the morning and wasn't leaving till eight o'clock at night. They, that was because of those directors that sat there and sat there and said, do it this way, this is what I want done, I don't care how it's done, it just needs to be done. And now I'll get an email from a staff member maybe on a Saturday and they'll say, sorry to bug you, don't worry about this till Monday. And they genuinely mean don't worry about this till Monday. Yep. And they won't get angry if you don't get back to them until Monday. Like it's, you know, yep. it's a whole different shift in that I think with, That's right. yeah, just yeah. with the change yeah. in how people manage. Yeah. yeah. You're right. But look, it, it is, it's it's a real paradigm shift, I think, also around our expectations 
of those that we manage and also those we manage for. That, yeah. you know, that we're not always available. We can't be. We're not robots. Um, if yeah. you, you want an answer to a question, go on the chatbot on the on the website or whatever it is. But yeah. if you want answers outside of office hours, you've got to understand that people have lives as well away from the office. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and that's probably a really good point for us to, to close on, that you know, that we, we are humans first. We're not automatons. We're not robots. We we yeah. do need time to, to switch off. It sounds as though you've got a pretty good handle on that and a really, really good balance. I, yeah, I do now. And that's the number one thing I'd say is don't wait until you have kids to find that balance. Just do it now. Yeah. Do it when you're 20. Do it when you're 25, you know, it's never too late to just find that balance. Don't wait until a huge change in your life to then find that balance. Do it right now. Yep, very true, very true. Well, Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you again for agreeing to participate. I know it took you a little while to think about it, but I'm, I'm <laughs> thrilled to have had you on. I am absolutely delighted that, uh, that you've been able to give such insight and such great advice. This has been an influential conversation Uh, Again, thank you. It's been greatly appreciated. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to another podcast in the Influential Conversation series. These are brought to you proudly by Tappy, Box Brownie, Inspection Express and Agent Dynamics. Please be sure to tune in next time for the next in this series.